What's up, everybody, and welcome back to the Sorry to Interrupt podcast. 175 coming up on 200. We have a Monday rundown coming for you here on a Tuesday, and it is jam-packed. First, Sean and I jumped right in, and we broke down last week's NFL slate, went over our picks, and then we made our picks for this week. Following that, we talked Masters, Dustin Johnson with a big-time W out there in Augusta, Georgia, and then we went all in on the NBA. Trades that went down already, we discussed those, what teams got better, what teams got worse. We talked about some rumors. Sean got a little giddy, but then he talked himself down. And then we went over the NBA draft, which is happening tomorrow. Follow us on Twitter at Sorry Sports, on Instagram, Sorry underscore Sports. Check out the website, SorrySports.com. And if you have anything to say, shoot us an email, SorrySports at Yahoo.com. Enjoy the pod, and we'll be back soon. I'm excited to see what the new Knicks uh, regime does with that. Um, I, I got to give us a pat on the back. I said it before we went on. I'm glad we waited till Tuesday because there was a lot of trades that went down, and we can talk about all of them. It was as if tonight was uh, preordained. Uh, yeah, lots of good shit to get into, and we are going to cover every single one of our bases tonight. Um, so we're going to actually do something we haven't done in a few weeks' time. Let's start by recapping this past week's of NFL games before we get into a little bit of uh, some Masters and then a lot of NBA. So, obviously a lot to touch on from this past you week. Seem, uh, you seem giddy to talk about your Giants because they're at the top of our notes here. Of course, man. Well, we always start with our locals. Your boys didn't play. And, uh, yeah, two wins in a row for the New York football Giants. They beat the Eagles, which they haven't done in four years. We kind of kidded about it on the Sunday pod about the Phil Mickelson Philly thing. As you know, I was very excited about this game. And uh, they actually won a game. And, amazingly, they are a half a game behind the Eagles uh, in this NFC least. What did you take from this game? And can you actually believe that this team is in contention? The one glaring thing I took from this game was that your defense is, it might be for real, especially your secondary. I thought they did an excellent job against Wentz, um, just basically containing the big play. And you got to be giddy because the narrative of this season, I mean, we're a what-have-you-done-for-me-lately universe in, in general, but... I mean, you go from, oh, maybe we'll get Justin Fields, maybe Daniel Jones isn't the guy, or maybe we'll get a top-five pick to now, shit, you know, looking ahead at our schedule, we, we might be able to win a few more games and sneak into the playoffs with this absolute trash division. You, you couldn't have said it better. It's exactly how I feel. Um, you know, the thing that you really take from this is you're right. The secondary is good, and they, they – Force Carson Wentz, who, and we'll get to Philly in a second, they have a lot of problems, but they went 0 of 9 on third downs. And the New York Giants were, you know, they had been getting after the quarterback. They had been pressuring the quarterback. They had stopped the run. 
but they have always consistently struggled on getting off the field on third downs. This was not the case. Logan Ryan's played well. Uh, Real Pepper's all over the place, and obviously Bradbury has been well worth the money. Daniel Jones, second straight week of no turnovers, and not coincidentally, that has turned into two straight wins. He had another run, Danny Wheels. It's great, man. Uh, it is pretty amazing, but you're finally starting to see, you know, the fruits of the labor come out a bit. You know, we talked about how they were playing well. They were playing tight games, uh, probably exceeding expectations, but falling short. Now they're actually winning football games. And you're right, a couple more wins and they end up winning this division. Absolutely. You can see the path. I mean, we could take a look at the Giants' schedule. You know, I hate to look ahead, but, I mean, they may have some winnable games up and coming. I mean, you got Cincinnati on the 29th, so that's the next game. Seattle will chalk them up to a loss. Arizona, I'm going to give them a loss there. Um, so you're at, what, 4-9? Four and, four and nine? Right now, that's that would be 4. Yeah, if you, if you win the Cincy game, yep, and then the Cleveland, lose those two, yep. Cleveland's a winnable game. And then you have the Ravens, so you know you're at five and ten. The six and ten, if you beat the Cowboys, win this division. Jesus Christ, dude, it's insane. It might. The problem is, is that Philly tie is going to help them out a lot because in that very important loss column, the Giants are going to fall a little bit short. I think if they can beat Cincy, they beat Dallas, and they beat Cleveland. Now you need to just win one of those other games. I think Baltimore is the most clear-cut loss. If you can beat either Seattle or, or Arizona, which are not you know, insurmountable tasks, I mean, this Philly team, I, I know we're talking about the Giants because they're my team, but I watched Philly. I said, this team really fucking sucks. Yeah, you could say that for all four teams in this division on any given week, though, so that's the thing. True, 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 true. I just don't know how – I watch Philly and I'm like, you know, this team, there's something seriously wrong with this team because they still have the most talent. As happy as I am with the Giants, the Eagles have the most talent. But whatever the hell's going on there, whether it be coach, whether it be quarterback, I mean, what do you see that's causing the severe disconnect? Because they got healthy again this week. We talked. They got Goddard back. They got Sanders back. And for whatever reason, they, they just couldn't get out of their own way. I think you make a few improvements to this offensive line and you get a new head coach, although he's coming off that Super Bowl win from not too many years ago. Get a more offensive-minded coach in here because uh, the guy in uh, Philly, uh, excuse me, the guy in Indianapolis was their offensive coordinator and he took care oh, of that. Oh, yeah. Um, maybe you get a more offensive-minded coach and Wentz looks like a different player because right now it just looks like they're, they don't know what the hell is up and what's down. Uh, yeah, I something has to. I mean, be, 0 for what mixed. on third down? That's 0 for nine on third downs, man. With Wince's legs and his ability not only to run for the first down but to extend the play, there's there's not a single game that Philly should not have a single first down. I couldn't agree more. I thought the announcers did a good job during the telecast talking about how the Giants are a bend not break defense, which is what they've really started to pride themselves on, but. We know for both of our teams, the they just have a, had a really hard time getting off the field on third downs, including third and longs. And, and yeah, the Giants played well defensively, and they made a couple big stops. But there were also plenty of throws and plenty of plays there for the taking for Philly that they just didn't capitalize on. Yeah, uh, this division. I mean, six and ten might get you there, man. It's sad, but hey, it's COVID. 
fuck it. If you guys make the playoffs, you guys make the playoffs. Daniel Jones is, is just being a glorified game manager right now, but he's making a few plays a game that you need him to do. And he's not turning the ball over, which is the the major, major, major key for him. Yeah, absolutely, dude. And it's not a coincidence that they're 2-0 and off that. The final point I'll make for you on that is glamour, you know, glorified game manager. I agree. But you know what? He, he showed me something in Sunday's game. So Philly, they get the ball to start the third. They're down 14-3. They march down the field, score a touchdown effortlessly. And you're thinking, as a Giants fan, here you go again. You know, all right, well, that first half was fun. They probably could have put more on the board. Jones makes two tremendous throws, one to Shepard down the left sideline, one to Tate, who he high-pointed you know, high it. Two plays later, Gallman scores a touchdown. And that's something that Jones hadn't done. That's something that probably a couple weeks ago, he throws a bad pick and it snowballs. And for him to come right back when Philly steals the momentum and, and give it back to the Giants, I thought was a step in the right direction for him. Absolutely, man. Got to feel good about your Giants. And I feel good about my Jets. I, I, they're exactly where I want them to be. <laughs> Winless. And you didn't have to watch them, which was great. Perfect week. Um, Phil Rivers did it to me again. Indy beat Tennessee last Thursday night. Um, well, you didn't have a pick ago. this week, which is, I guess, good. I didn't have to pick him, but it was just it, – it, it never fails to disappoint what he does. I'm I know more, that was a long time ago. What would you take from that game? I'm more I'm more looking at Tennessee than I am the Colts. I just don't think that you're going to win a playoff game with Phil Rivers, and this is two probable playoff teams. Tennessee – I mean, the Bears, we can throw them out. They're not even Fugazi. They are what they are, and we'll talk about that. Kirk Cousins fucking you sideways again um, <laughs> later on when we go down there. But Called it. Tennessee, I mean, that defense, We call, I called it, I believe, earlier in the year, bend not break as the Giants are playing now. They are just a break offense. I know that they got uh, King from the L.A. Chargers uh, a few weeks ago, and he's got to take a little bit to – he's a former all-pro, so he's a good defensive back. Take a little while to figure out the system and all that good stuff, but I don't think that's enough. They do not generate a pass rush. If you can't get Phil Rivers to make a few mistakes by running somebody in his face and either throwing a pick or taking a sack, then you do not have a good enough game plan. And they beat the teams they're supposed to be. They're a lesser version of the Baltimore Ravens. Oh, my God, man. You really hit that last point on the head. I was just going to say, they, they have a lot of Ravens in them, just a lot less sexy. When they get behind, they cannot play from behind. You can pretty much write their death sentence right there. Yeah, not at all. I mean, fun story to have Tannehill coming back, and he's more than a serviceable quarterback, but they need to figure out a few things on offense. I mean, they're not getting the tight end involved enough. They're not getting A.J. Brown involved enough. And... and Maybe try and use Derrick Henry a little bit in the passing game. He was used so much more than last year, and this guy's a game-breaker. He Put is. the ball in his hands, for Christ's sake. It would be nice. I think they do miss Deion Lewis this year because he was kind of that back where you would use him out of the backfield or you could line him up as a receiver, and they don't have him. But, yeah, man, I, I'm with you. and I know I know they're very Fugazi. I know the Colts seem very Fugazi. The well, the Colts, the Colts have a great defense. so They do, but that's they gonna play. have Bill Rivers who can cost you games you yes. know, at the drop of a dime. So. Still a head-scratcher. I liked Jacoby Brissett. I thought he was hurt last year. Um, I guess they didn't like him as much. But for me, I, the only thing I take away from that game is that Tennessee is a big-time Fugazi, and I think they're going to get that Saturday – uh, playoff game, and they're probably going to lose by 10 or more to whoever they play. Has that 
feeling all over it, right? AFC South is going to proudly represent that Saturday ABC game yet again. Yeah, man. Uh, moving on to the next game, we got Cleveland against Houston. This was my sperm bank pick of the week, and it hit. We had our meeting. Uh, we figured it out. We got our shit together, and the sperm bank decided to hit. I had Cleveland minus two and a half. This game was disgusting. I mean, apparently there was a monsoon that ran through Cleveland, and there was winds up to 40 or 50 miles an hour. There wasn't too much throwing in the game. And to be honest, I I think Cleveland's definitely going to make the playoffs. They have somewhat of a weak schedule coming up, and I just feel bad for Deshaun Watson. (laughs) I do too, especially how the rest of the you know, Sunday went and he had to watch what D hop did, but yeah, man, I'm with you on that. Cleveland's a playoff team. I don't feel good about them being a playoff team, but we talked about my giants possibly being one. So if they could possibly be one, Cleveland certainly can. They won an ugly game. Sometimes you have to do that. Game was delayed. Um, what did you think of Nick Chubb running out of bounds? Uh, at the one yard line instead of scoring a touchdown. Well, I'm glad one, I'm glad we got the spread at two and a half because, I would have been really upset if the spread was at some like some other books uh, at four. Um, so that sucks for betting, sucks for fantasy players because that's another touchdown he could have got you right there. But I got it. I mean, he runs but out of bounds. They he runs out of bounds. They they take a knee and they win the game. That's a hundred percent chance of winning. I think if he scores there, they probably still win. But hey, I mean, for once that that works out for them, right? Yeah, my, that was my thought exactly. I. I I don't have a stake in the game. I could not have possibly cared less. But the other part of me is thinking, like, you're going to go up 10 here. I mean, just fucking score the touchdown. You never know. You got Deshaun Watson on the other side. I mean, he can. They weren't scoring anything, dude. They weren't scoring anything. Still the right play. Okay. I I think under under different circumstances, I would have been more for it. Um, But, hey, it doesn't matter. They ended up winning the game. There's no style points in the NFL. You win, you win, you lose, and you lose, and they won this game. Next game on the docket, Green Bay. Talk about escaping with their lives. They really should have lost this game. They looked like dog shit against whatever the hell quarterback Jacksonville rolled out there. 24-20 in Lambeau. I really thought they were going to lose this game. Luton, that's right. I'm happy to say names that I know. Well done. I think you were were well prepped for that. He doesn't Uh, look bad, honestly. No. He's got a cannon for an arm. He fit the ball into some pretty tight areas. What would you take from this game outside of Luton playing all right? Green Bay's defense sucks. That's it. I think they might be as fugazi as they were last year. I mean, they're going to rely heavily on Aaron Rodgers. I don't know if he'd have it any other way. But Green Bay's defense sucks, and that's why they're not going to win the Super Bowl this year, although they're my pick, and I'm going to root for them. If it wasn't for Devontae Adams, they lose this game. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that guy is probably the best wide receiver in the league. Uh, he he said he was, and he backed it up on Sunday. They Michael Thomas has not been backing it up, and we're going to talk about the Saints later. We are going to talk about the Saints later. I, I, was, I was watching this game on Red Zone as the Giants were playing. I'm like, there's no way they can lose this game. There's no way they can lose this game. They'll pull away. And again, you know, it, there's a couple games every year with teams that are championship caliber teams that they have to just win ugly, and they don't play well at all. We saw that with Pittsburgh last week against Dallas. We see that with a lot of teams. But, man, for Jacksonville to come out and do something like they just did, I was impressed with them. I mean, if they play that way again, they could find themselves into a three- or four-win season. 
Hey, man, I'm rooting for it. I was rooting for Jacksonville in this game, although I had the Packers as my Super Bowl pick. The further away you can get from the Jets, the better for me. <laughs> I hear that. I mean, listen, Trevor's still got to come out. What do you think? What do you put him at, 99% coming out? Yeah, I think he's coming out. I think he's going to be a Jet. But you you want to see you want to see Jacksonville win a game or two. I think they're talented enough to win. I don't take anything out of that Jets Patriots game. Um, I think Jacksonville's talented enough to steal one or two more games this year. It's so hard to go winless or only win one game. Yeah, Jets are making it look easy. All right, moving on to the next one. The <laughs> Detroit Lions beat the Washington Redskins. This game no, became we're not saying Washington we're football team. Podcast, oh Jesus man. Christ. Yeah. No. Sorry, everybody. The Washington football team. Come up with a nickname. I'll, I'll rattle off 10 if you There'll need to. There will always be that name, but we can't have it on the pod. Uh, so they won. Alex Smith, um, who obviously almost died, lost his leg, this, that, and the third, had a hell of a game for himself, could not do it on the final drive. It looked pretty bad on the final drive, actually. Um, Detroit wins ugly, and what do you think? Matty PP saves his job? Oh my God! Dude. I was listening to I was listening to a uh, a podcast, um, and someone said that uh, Tony Larusa actually took Matt P Matty PP's title as worst coach in all <laughs> professional sports. And I don't know if we talked about Tony Larusa enough, but I did a little more research, and turns out he's kind of a scumbag. Oh wow! What a story that was, right? Like flashing his ring and saying, "You know who I am. I'm the Hall of Fame." Not to mention, person. he's he's what? alluded to, he's alluded to a lot of racist comments in the past. I mean, not a good look. I, I don't know. Reinstorf might be losing his marbles ever since he uh, let Phil Jackson go. I'm going to tell you this for the right past now: twenty two years or whatever it is. <laughs> there is a there is a very legitimate reason why bad franchises are bad franchises. And even when things look good and they're going in the right direction and you can get excited about them, something happens. And this is definitely something the White Sox are going to have to deal with, especially since they're not going to have any disciplinary uh, actions against him. And now he has to meet all his, uh, all his new players and then everybody in a, in a couple, uh, in a couple months in spring training. But yes, I think that he second DUI for old Tony too. So uh, he's a bit of a drinker. Well, you know, how does nothing not wrong with being a drinker? By the way, just something wrong with being a drinker and a driver at the same time. I don't understand how at this point. I think he's what seventy six. How does he not have a goddamn driver? If you're a Hall of Fame baseball person, I don't know, Sean. People people like up. driving, and I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna shit on seventy six year olds for not having a driver. I'm gonna I'm shit gonna on anybody at any age for drinking and driving. Over gonna, overindulging and driving, I think that's stupid. But hey, there's some seventy. Let's not age discriminate here. There's some seventy-six-year-olds that are probably better drivers than you and I. I'm happy to discriminate against seventy-six-year-olds who like to drink and drive. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you're not entitled to shit when you get behind the wheel. I don't give a fuck who you are. I'm anyway, not. I'm not claiming he's entitled. I'm saying let's not shit on the seventy-six-year-old sober drivers I'm out there, huh? I'm adding that as part of the caveat of your drinking. You could drink when you're 25. You could drink when you're 76. You add everything together. The 76 is not something that's helping you out. Anyway, to answer your rhetorical question, yes, I think he has helped Matty PP. He won by the skin of his ass this week. And God, did they give everything they had to try to lose this game with the two pass interference plays on that final drive uh, against the Washington football team. 
And they were lucky that Chase Young committed a terrible rookie mistake uh, on the Washington on, on their final drive. Yes, uh, DeAndre Swift, former Georgia running back, looks to be to have taken over that job. But who really cares? That's two non-playoff teams we're talking about there. Moving on to two possible playoff teams, definitely one. Tampa Bay turned it around in large fashion. Um, seemed to have everything rolling in uh, in Carolina. Or Tampa Bay. I don't know where the hell it was. It was in Carolina. Um, he had it. 46-23. Teddy Bridgewater gets hurt, but there's no structural damage to the knee. McCaffrey didn't play, but hey, still. Tampa, uh, Carolina hung around for the first half, and then Tampa Bay kind of put a whooping on him in the second half. Every player had a big game fantasy-wise. Godwin, Evans, Ronald Jones had a 100-yard touchdown. Um, Antonio Brown had seven catches for 66 yards, so... He's looking to come alive. The only one who didn't was, of course, the guy I started, Leonard Fournette. Fuck him. <laughs> Fuck you, Uncle Lenny. Yeah, not good for you. Um, but, dude, honestly, this is why, like, the NFL is the craziest sport because we have a whole week. I mean, could they have looked any worse, the Bucks? that is, against New Orleans on that Sunday night? No, and I don't think we talked about them. that game enough. That may have been the most dominant performance I've ever seen from one side to another. It, it didn't even look done. like the Saints were trying. It was done four minutes in. Yeah, that, that game. But you know what? That's a throwaway game. And, and listen, Tom's going to do what Tom's going to do, and he spread the ball around, and they look just fine. And that defense they, looks good as well. They went on the road against a division opponent who they knew they had to beat. They know they had to get themselves right. They knew they were better then. And Brady, at this point of his career, still is never going to allow his team to lose to an inferior opponent. If you're going to lose big, lose to a team that's probably better than you or that you're going to have to go through. We'll see with the Brees injury if that ends up happening. But, yeah, they they handled business, and Brady looked super sharp, too. He still makes all the throws on the field. So I'm back on the Tampa Bay bandwagon. I mean, listen, we'll skip to the next game after this. There's not much to say. But there's the one thing to beat Tom Brady. I mean, the Giants showed you when he was in – his prime, you, you get pressure on him, you, you get him throwing the ball early, and he's going to make some mistakes, or he's going to mm-hmm. throw the ball away a lot, and, and there's going to be some three and outs. That's the only way you're going to beat this guy. All right, moving on to the next game, you have the Rookie Bowl. I don't know if Tua can win Rookie of the Year just because I think it was like five games before he, he started, but man, after that first game where he was a little iffy, he has looked great. Not as big of a game as he had last week against Arizona, but they go out and they get the win. That Miami defense is for real. And Tua was making all the plays. And I don't know if he's an underrated runner. I just feel like people don't talk about his legs enough. But I think he's a great runner. We briefly discussed with this on a, Sunday. Whatever, degenerative hip or whatever the problem is now. We talked about it briefly on Sunday, man. I mean, he's not he's not electric, but he's elusive enough. He's quick enough. He's agile enough. He makes He knows how to read... The, the play, read the defense. His biggest thing is just learning when the fuck to go down and get out of bounds. Other than that, he's certainly mobile enough to make plays on the ground, and he has now had two straight weeks of looking very good. He has such a quick release on that play action. I mean, we saw it at Bama for however many years, three years. You're definitely seeing it now in the NFL. It's quick, and you're right. That defense is awesome. Yeah, shout-out to Flores down there. That team looks pretty good, and I think their quarterback question may have been answered, as well as the Chargers. Herbert still had a big-time game. He looks more like a rookie than Tua does, but he also has 
I think he's got a lot more talent than Tua does just because of the fact that he can run even more than Tua. He's 6'5", he can take more of a hit, and he's got a fucking cannon for an arm. He's right up there with Josh Allen and Mahomes. So far to me, um, I still will always contest that Tua is the better player. Of course. I mean, you're going to fucking suck the Roll Tide's D until the day that they're in the ground. But let's be fair. In the time in which uh, Herbert's been playing for the uh, the Chargers, they've asked him to do a lot more. They've opened the offense a lot more because they know they have no chance to win unless he absolutely balls out. And I Miami's think honestly, it's for Tua, so we're not going to see him just completely air it out right now. I know, I know. Um, Anthony Lynn was a darling of Hard Knocks, but I mean, over the past few years, especially this year. They've had leads going into halftime, and, and they've had a lot of one-possession games, and they've lost almost all of them. So, I mean, you saw it last week against Las Vegas alone. It goes down to the last play. They call the same play twice. The guy drops the ball, and they lose. I mean, and this isn't just a one-time instance. Like I said, I think they've got five or six games where they've got the lead at halftime, and they take an L. Them, Atlanta, and Detroit have to be the worst teams to hold on to leads that I've ever seen. Yeah, it's crazy to have them all They're in the big leads too. same couple years. But, I, I mean, I don't understand how these, these coaches just don't know how to step on the throat and just finish off a win. Well, at least for them this time, they weren't in the position to do so. No, Miami no. Miami led easily, the whole time. But you're right. Yeah. Miami um, looking like a playoff team right now, and I think they're at the very least. Buffalo, I mean, I know we're going to talk about Arizona later, but Buffalo's going to win that division, in my opinion. Miami might get a wild card. I was just going to ask you, do you they they're on a roll right now? And I know Buffalo lost a brutal game, but do you see a world in which Miami's the division winner? Yeah, absolutely, but again, you asked me the question what 2 weeks ago, gun to my head who wins the division? I'm still taking Buffalo. Okay. I, I mean, New England's on a your... fucking roll too. I mean, they've won 2 in a row, right? That's a roll, baby. In that's the Jets the... eyes, that's a roll. <laughs> and let's not get on a roll this year, Jets. Yeah, no, you're 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 definitely hoping that the only role you continue to have is a 16 game uh, losing streak. Uh, another team in that playoff hunt in the AFC is the Raiders, who just wiped the floor with Drew Locke, who looks like he's regressing a lot with Denver. He got hurt 37-12. This game was never close. Denver is still in the market for a quarterback, John Elway. Maybe you should draft yourself at this point because you're the only one. Uh... That doesn't seem to get it. I, I don't know. I mean, he is it one of those things where great players can't be managers in baseball because they expect you to be able to be them or something? It's something along those lines. He, he has been searching forever. And outside of Peyton Manning, which was the easiest cover-up in the history of uh, bringing in a good player, he has not been able to draft one. And, and Locke is... I don't know what it is with him. It, it, there's accuracy issues. His arm is plenty strong enough. He seems to be terrible until he's in a close shootout. Making? Like what is it? I think it's a combination of decision making and inaccuracy. And then when you get a little pressure on him, he's really in trouble. On the other side, I'm very, very impressed with Gruden and the Raiders. Listen, welcome on the pod anytime. Um, they looked excellent. And I just got to give him kudos for keeping up with the times all those years in the booth and drafting extremely well over the past two seasons. You know what's fun about them is the fact that they're not fun. 
in today's NFL, they're not sexy. They don't no. do anything that catches your eye. They will bore you to death. You, you expect to them to be a little more fun with rugs, but he really, aside from one game, he hasn't had that big explosive play. They're going to win the battle on in the trenches, on the lines, on the offensive and defensive lines. Jacobs is going to just bully you to death. Carr is not asked to do too much. He can open it up when he has to, but that's because he's really efficient and really good on those intermediate routes. And they're just dominating the line of scrimmage on both ends, and that's a recipe for success. And that's how Gruden always has been. And uh, him and Mayock have done a great job drafting the players that have allowed them to have that philosophy and start winning. It's I, I got to say, I never thought they would be this good, especially when it looked like him and Carr were butting heads a few years ago. But this is a very good football team. Yeah, man, I think they're destined for the playoffs. Depending on their schedule, they should definitely be in there. Let's move on to the next game. Two probable playoff teams here. Um, I did not pick this game because I just couldn't deal with uh, the MVP candidacy. Russ, my football father. I I haven't spoken about my fathers in a while. (laughs) Here Um, we go. Put together a nice game plan against Seattle. That Rams defense is for real. They can get pressure on anybody. Forced Russell Wilson into a few mistakes, and they just kind of shut him down. I mean, Metcalf got shut the fuck down by Jalen Ramsey. The running game was nothing. I mean, all their running backs are hurt. And, and Russell really couldn't even do it in this game. And Carr, uh, not Carr, excuse me, um, Golf did just enough to win. Yeah, to me this game was more about something that I believe is starting to develop in Seattle, which is... Russ knows that his defense is really, really bad. And I know that the Rams only scored 23 points in this game, but this is not a team that's lighting it up. And uh, the defense just can't stop anybody, and they can't get off the field on third downs. Adams, your former boy, is either hurt or not doing a good job. And I think Russ knows he has to take a lot of chances to keep Seattle in the game and give them a chance to win. And we're seeing that manifest in a shit ton of picks. Let's, let's give the Jets a little bit of credit here. Is Jamal Adams worth two draft picks, two first-rounders? Two first? Fuck yeah. He's worth that. Right now. Oh, no, I'm sorry. I, I thought you meant that. They they did a great job. They stole. Yeah, they, he they is not worth two first-round draft picks. No, no, I will no, absolutely they, take. Listen, what they take with those picks, I mean, they're much sexier before they put the name on the card for the most part. With the Jets, but hey, we got two first-round draft picks right now for the next two here's years. The other, here's the other thing, man, and I misunderstood your question. Yeah, they those first-round picks might be better than we initially thought, right? Because Seattle's a team that might be on the outside looking in, and you might get a couple of picks there in the uh, before the 20s. Hey, man, it couldn't get better than that. Hopefully the Jets can get their quarterback and offensive lineman and maybe a wide receiver of the future. Um Exciting stuff for the New York Jets, not so exciting for Seattle, but they may be on the outside looking in, and that segues us to the next game. They might be on the outside looking in because possible MVP candidate Kyler Murray in the Arizona Cardinals went on to beat the Bills in, that was, I don't know, what do you think? Greatest Hail Mary ever? Excluding, like, all things being equal. No, Not in playoff games, not in big divisional games, just pure play. I mean, listen... Most most Hail Marys, like I'll give you the Aaron Rodgers ones, they, they rush three and they drop back a million and somehow Aaron Rodgers throws it up and, and it's just a box out for the biggest guy there. This one, Kyler had to run left, throw right, 
off his off you know going sideways off his back foot and DeAndre Hopkins had to dominate three defensive backs it was three on one and they pulled it off and it was an incredible play best play of the year by far oh it's not even close it's the best play of the year best Hail Mary ever I don't know Rodgers a couple years ago would like to say something about that especially since some of them happened in the postseason but yeah this was an incredible play on both ends and Murray is such a great thrower of the football, which I love because everybody talks about his athleticism, which is justified. But my God, did he just fucking sling that thing. And you, we talked about it earlier where Houston just it continues. You, you say just poor Deshaun Watson because you're watching this. And what Hopkins did was just one of the most incredible single like single plays and ability to just go get a football. I mean, honestly, I know Odell had the one-handed catch, which will live in – that's going to be one of the best catches of all time. But because this actually was in to walk off a win in a huge game for the Arizona Cardinals, I'm with you. It's the play of the year, and he was just – I mean, he's been worth every single penny. I don't think they missed David Johnson in the desert one bit. No, not at all. Um, I don't think that Bill O'Brien should ever get a management position again. Head coach, maybe, but don't give him the keys to the castle and don't let him open up the purse strings. No, God, no. Arizona and Seattle this Thursday is a huge game. Uh, what do you look at Arizona right now? Or it, to, to you, this is a playoff team, no? They have to really fuck up to not be one? Absolutely, man. I mean, their their defense has picked it up. Patrick Peterson got off to a slow start, giving up a couple, getting burned a little bit, but... He's rounded into form. I mean, he turned around and shut down Metcalf the the last time they played. I'm interested to see that matchup again. This defense, <clears throat> this defense is rounding into form, and I mean, this offense is as advertised. Uh, it, it's great. It's been really fun, but now it's becoming a winning recipe. And when you have a guy like Hopkins, it just changes everything. Seattle's going to win Thursday night, though. I'm not picking them, but they're going to win. It feels like one of those letdown games, right? Yeah, they're, they're going to win for off Arizona. the letdown, and it's a must-win for Russ, and he's not my MVP, but he is a damn good quarterback. I think they're going to get that win. Moving on to the next game. Sly job by you picking that, but not picking that, by the way. Oh, I try. Um, I, don't like th- I don't like picking Thursday night games. I always get fucked on those. Uh, I'm glad we've been recording on Sundays recently so I can just skip over them. <laughs> you don't even have to worry about it. Yeah. All right, moving on to the next game. Drew, you saw a little bit. Of, it was a little bit of Jameis time in this one. I don't yeah. take too much away from the stomping of San Francisco being that um, they might be testing you out, having you run a 40 and, and some cone work soon to play running back because they are absolutely decimated at that position. If not there, maybe on the defensive line, they are at – I mean – I haven't seen a team this beaten up in a long time. But, listen, New Orleans got the job done. Drew Brees is going to be out for a little bit of time. Now, the last time this happened, Teddy B came in and led him to a 5-0 and record. You think Jameis can do the same thing? I think Brees, Brees has a punctured lung and two broken ribs on each side. He's out at least three weeks uh, and probably more because that's a brutal injury to sustain. I don't know about 5-0 and or undefeated, but this is why they brought him in, knowing that Bridgewater was leaving. you got a guy who's more than capable of winning football games in this league. He's done it plenty of times. He's also cost his team a lot. 
Maybe he's learned under Breeze. I don't know. Maybe uh, no. There was a oof, there was a play where he threw it right into the hands of the D back and it was dropped. So I don't know if he's learned yeah. much. Well, listen, I don't know. I think Jameis is always going to be Jameis. I'm not saying that he's going to go out there and be you know a super high efficiency game managing quarterback. That's not him. No, it's not him. But I think he can limit the mistakes, I suppose, a little bit more and, and not cost the Saints games. Because, listen, they've got this division. As long as they can handle their business against teams they should beat, they've got the division on lockdown because they're 2-0 and against Tampa. That's really all you're asking him to do. If I'm New Orleans, I don't rush uh, Breeze back one bit. I say, here's the next seven weeks off. Jameis, you take it from here, and uh, we'll, we'll be ready to see – Breeze start a playoff game uh, in January. I wish Jameis was a starter for the whole year on another team, like maybe Denver or somewhere like that. You the Jameis roller coaster. Right? I do, and I just I wish that he was on another team because I want to see him play, and I really would like to see Taysom Hill just take the reins and see how it goes. They'll never do it. He's not that kind of guy. Everybody needs to calm down. He's the gimmick quarterback who can be a lot of fun, but he's not a guy who's going to take 40 snaps at quarterback. He's just not. I, I hope, J- listen, Jameis, I hope you don't get seriously hurt, but maybe you tweak an ankle and uh, Taysom comes in for the second half. Easy. Don't you don't you wish that upon Jameis. No, that's my guy. I love Jameis. I'm hoping that he can get Michael Thomas because he targeted him a bunch of times but did not come to fruition. I'm hoping that he can get Michael Thomas involved a little bit more. Uh, moving on to the next game, this was a pick of mine. Um Pittsburgh took care of business against Cincinnati, 36-10. I don't know what I was thinking, so that's that. I don't really have anything (laughs) else to say. Pittsburgh is one of the best teams in the league. Uh, Big Ben's playing out of his mind right now. Even a little dinged up, but he seems to be over. He rolls out of bed dinged up, so no worries for him. I got nothing to say about this game. Yeah, no, we can move on. I mean, what what really has to be said? Uh, moving on to the next game, a lot of fun, and we already alluded to Baltimore and their troubles. New England beats Baltimore 23-17 Sunday night football game up in Foxborough. Cold, rainy, shitty. I don't know if you can hear the wind whipping behind me, but up on the East Coast, oh, dude, it has not I was wondering what was going on in it, your place. It has not been fun on the East Coast. A lot of trees down, a lot of, lot of cars getting crushed by trees. Tornado warning a couple days ago for a few How hours. How fucking wild was that? That thing? was a I scary power sight. For three hours, dude. Did, oh, three hours. My mom actually, I, I don't really lose power um, where I am, but my mom lost power for about, I want to say 12, so she doesn't feel that bad for you for your three hours that you had to wear a blanket. Wasn't a, well, I wasn't aware this was a competition. I was yeah, more well, or less just pointing out. My mom beat you. Sorry. My mom and my oh, grandma yeah, well, and Sadie. Well, I'm yeah, and Sadie. I'm just happy that you know they're all okay. But no, everybody's all right. You're all right. You're packing up. You're not going to have to deal with this fucking weather anymore. That should be good for you. Oh, um, yeah, I'm not going to miss this shit one bit. Yeah, I, I love the fall, but when it gets to now, listen where, to that wind in your background. Yes, yes. When it gets to now, when the winter's creeping up on you, and it's you know you got to warm the car up or or just suck it up and get in it and drive freezing for five minutes. No, I'm happy to I'm be out on this. I'm getting out. Yeah, I'll take those 50-degree fall days, but uh, not these days. But listen, back to the game. Um, New England, I don't know what to think with them. I mean, with Belichick, anything can happen. This division isn't the strongest in the world. I think Miami, as well as Buffalo, are better than them. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. Looking at Baltimore, much more importantly, um, 
I think they're in some real trouble. Trouble, and I, I don't fully blame Lamar. Um, I just think that they need to open up the playbook a little bit more because when they're down, I mean that running that running shit ain't gonna work. It's not gonna work, and Lamar's even alluded to how predictable they've become, and we saw that the other night. By the way, this was such a trap game, and I felt so bad, and I was so mad at myself for picking against the goat of head coaches. I was just so underwhelmed. It's not by something what you usually do. You Jets. always have pit, it's uh, not. Um, New England, you know, winning the Super Bowl when they had Brady, or you're not picking against Belichick. I just couldn't believe how bad they looked against your Jets, and they weren't doing well on offense, and they didn't have to do much. But the big difference this time was this was a classic Belichick game in the elements of Foxborough. And they seem to have formulated a game plan on offense where they're not going to let Cam take a lot of chances. They're going to run, run, run. They've got Damon Harris. They've got Burkhead. And they seem to finally have some kind of template for keeping the ball controlled, milking the clock. As for Baltimore, I agree with you, man. This is not a team who's designed to play from behind, and we saw it again. Yeah, I mean – Listen, what's going to happen when, when you play in the playoffs? You, you might fall behind, and, and that's not going to help them out. Um, I think they've actually regressed from last year. I think it's Me obvious. Um, that's not like a, a fucking hot take saying that shit. Um, yeah, I don't really know where they go from here, honestly. Uh, they need, really they need a big-time wide receiver. And, and Hollywood Brown is a fun wide receiver on the outside, a Deshaun Jackson type. That when your offense is rolling, you can throw it deep to him and take the top off. But they need a possession wide receiver that when it's, you know, third and eight, he can move the chains for you every single time. He's going to be wide open. This is still a really good team. And I don't want to. Their defense is great, too. But I mean, they can only do so much. Exactly. You get nervous about them, though, when you have games like this because they just aren't playing the kind of football that you expect to see from a team that is a Super Bowl, you know, caliber team. It's just there's something missing there. I don't know totally what it is, but it is not the dominant team that we saw last year. And Lamar has to figure out how to be a little bit better in the pocket passing game and make sure that, hey, when you get behind, you can't try to just drain the clock and have one or two explosive plays because the defense isn't going to allow you to have those. Absolutely, man. I'm worried about this team. Luckily, I don't think either of us picked them to win the Super Bowl, so we don't have any worries there. Um, Let's move on to our final game on Monday night. I already talked about this. Um, I love it. Your your relationship with Kirk Cousins over the years has been a um, a roller coaster. I'm just mad. It's just he's just spiting me at this point. There's no reason for it. Kirk Cousins finally get to win on Monday Night Football, the first of his career, and it's not like this is his second year in the league. He's been around for a while. Um, I mean, Chicago, Chicago sucks. Oh, they're so fucking bad. I feel bad for Khalil Mack, too, because he was getting holding calls galore, didn't matter. Justin Jefferson looked great, Thielen with a, couple, with a great catch, two great touchdowns, and Dalvin Cook kind of could take the night off. Yeah, what did Cook finish with? I think he had like 90 yards, but it, it was it took a long. He had a time. big one that got called back by a holding call. I don't I don't remember what he ended up with. Um, towards the end, he had he got going a little bit. 
Yeah, it, it was kind of not even that important. Cousins finally didn't fuck up. And you're, you know what, man? This Bears defense, I feel so bad for Bears fans from this respect because they've never had a fucking offense, and they always have a good defense. And you, it's got to be just so fucking demoralizing when you're a defensive guy. Like, Khalil Mack got that pick, right, early in the first quarter off Cousins. And it's just like, oh, we're going to hope for a field goal. It's at the 15-yard line. All your yep. offense has to do is punch it in. They're not going to do that. They had Cordell Patterson run a 104-yard kick return back. That was their touchdown. They really fucking suck. Nagy sucks. The guy who they gave the play calling to sucks. Foles sucks unless he's wearing an Eagles uniform. Um, this team is spiraling out of control. And and Mitch, the Trubisca-holics can't even come back because he's uh He's dinged he's up. Yep. All right, man. So you went one and three. I went two and two. You said I would take a two and two record. I I don't. Uh, that's unacceptable for me. I, I need to do better. And hopefully you went zero and four the week before. Take the two. No, no, no. I can't be doing that. I got to make up ground on you. All right. Well, we only got one local game again this week. So apparently, I I I looked away from the Monday night spread because I didn't really like it. But I don't really have a choice. Um. So we'll lead off with the local. My New York Jets are flying cross-country to play the Los Angeles Chargers. They are plus nine and a half. This is truly remarkable to me. This spread makes me scratch my head. I would have, I would have, I thought it was seven. The Chargers have two wins. Yeah, I'm going to go with the Jets on this one. I think they lose in cover. That would be perfect for me. I picked the Jets, too. Nine and a half is too much because you know what's going to happen? Even if the Jets are getting killed... Anthony Lynn and his wonderful last-minute, late-game play calling is going to make this a close game, and the Jets are going to think they have a chance. By the way, Flash, Flash and Flacco, Flacco baby, he's back. Yeah. I was just about to say the same thing. I'm a big Flash and Flacco guy. All right, moving on to our next game. <laughs> we during the, during the locals' bye week, we replaced that with the Monday night game. We got a good one this week, Sean. Um, we have Tampa Bay in Tampa against the Los Angeles Rams. Tampa Bay is favored by three and a half. What do you think? I'm going to take Tampa. I think they got a lot of momentum back. And unless they're playing New Orleans, they're a pretty goddamn good team. They get all these primetime games. Obviously, Brady's more than happy to play those. They're at home. And, uh, yeah, I, I, I'm going to take the Tampa Bay Bucks in this game. I'm going to go Tampa as well. I think golf absolutely sucks when you put a little pressure on him. Tampa Bay's got a good defense. I think they definitely can do that. They also have some good defensive backs. Um, Aaron Donald's going to get a little bit of pressure on Tom Brady, but I think that offensive line will be able to stand up on him. Me too, and I just love you know how they responded this past week. It, it, it definitely gave me, not that I was giving up on them, but it gave me a lot better taste in my mouth about what they are as a team. It seems like New Orleans is really just their kryptonite right now, and they'll have to get through them if they want to win a Super Bowl. But right now, Rams traveling cross-country, Monday night, Tampa Bay. Uh, I like the Bucks. All right, what's your next game? Dolphins at Broncos. Um, the, Bronco, or the Dolphins are a two-and-a-half-point favorite in mile high. Right now, you just got to ride the Tua train. They're 3-0 and with him now. I know his first game, he didn't do have to do much, but that defense, as we talked about earlier, my friend, playing really, really good football. Drew Locke, probably not going to play. I don't know. Maybe it's Rippon playing for Denver. 
Um, whatever it is, that offense is not good. And two is now getting confidence, so I think he's going to throw it a little bit more. That defense will play well. Special teams will play well. And I like the Dolphins to win a fourth in a row. All right. What is the spread we're looking at on that one? Give it to us one more time. Two and a half. Two and a half. All right. My third game, I am going to look at Baltimore. Mm. I'm taking Baltimore in this game. Baltimore is home against Tennessee. Six and a half point favorites. We talked about Tennessee being Fugazi, and I think Baltimore really needs this win. I don't know if I, I wouldn't call it a must win, but Baltimore definitely needs this win to turn it around. You know what we call this in the business, Tom? This is a revenge game from the playoff game last year. Right? Absolutely, that as well. <laughs> I don't think Lamar has forgotten that game, and I think he's going to have a pretty good one himself. And I think they can win by more than a touchdown. Revenge games and battle-tested. You know those are my favorite. Yes, absolutely. All right, give me Uh, your last game. Last game before your sperm bank pick of the week, which is back in business. I'm going to Las Vegas. The Raiders, they're a a seven-and-a-half-point dog at home against the Chiefs. Remember, they beat the Chiefs in Kansas City a few weeks ago. I'm going to take the Raiders again. I don't necessarily they're going to win, but I think they're going to cover the seven and a half. This is a good football team, and the Chiefs have not dominated teams. You know, they, they, they beat up on Baltimore on that Monday night, but other than that, they seem to just be handling business. Um, I don't think they're going to run into too, many, too much trouble, but I think this is a closer game uh, than we initially would think. So give me the Raiders to cover the seven and a half point spread in Vegas. All right, I don't think this has ever been done on Sorry Sports before, but I'm going to Vegas too. I'm taking Kansas City, baby. My sperm bank pick of the week brought to you by that big, sexy boy himself, Andy Reid. Grab yourself a cheeseburger this week. I'm sure he had a lot during the bye week. All I hear is how great Andy Reid is off of buys. I want to see it for myself. I want to have a little skin in the game on it. The the, the sperm bank pick of the week is back up and running. We are, we're overflowing right now. We might have to open up a second location. Overflowing. You got one win back after basically bankrupt. Huge W. Huge W. I hope it's as big as the burger that Andy Reid's going to be housing in the house. I just think that it's uh, you're not going to have to worry about weather. Mahomes is going to be able to sling it all over the yard. And they're coming off a bye, not to mention you said a revenge game. Do we have a mini revenge game here? I don't know, man. I don't know. It, I, it was it was a game that I was a little – I was looking at the schedule. I was like, you know what? I'm going to give I'm gonna give you a little love to, uh, to our boy John Gruden, who's always welcome on the pod. Mm, we've kicked him off a few times, but I guess he's back. He's allowed on again. Yeah. All right. All right, my friend. On that one. That'll be fun. That about wraps it up for picks. We're going head-to-head on that one, so that should be fun. Um, let's talk a little Masters. Yeah. Listen, I, I said it. I thought J- Dustin Johnson was going to get over the hump. He did, breaking a few records, winning at minus 20. Um there was a couple records broken because Smith, as well, out of Australia, was the first player to have all four rounds under 70. So he played a great tournament. Not, I think he finished at minus 16, not as great as Dustin Johnson. He grabbed this tournament by the throat and just finished it off. He had a bogey on the front nine. I believe he had it on seven or eight, but then he birdied two straight holes, pulled away, ended up winning this one by four strokes. And you know what? This for me, because he has 23 wins on the tour. He's been a consistent player ever since he since he he joined the tour. But he only had one major. So uh, I mean, there's been a lot of twos. There's been a lot of threes. There's been a lot of chokes. And 
I think he catapulted himself into the top 10 golfers of all time. Um, as well as I think he catapulted himself as by far the best golfer in the world right now. I mean, he was neck and neck. Obviously, he had the best year um, winning the FedEx Cup. I think he won the Golfer of the Year Award, whatever the hell that is. I don't know. He probably got more money for that. Um, <laughs> but I think he's far and above. I mean, I know Brooks has more majors than him, and JT's right there, few other guys. But he's the most talented golfer. And he's the best golfer. And I think after getting over the hump on this one, I think he's in a good place. Um, Health-wise, he's been able to stay healthier than any of these guys that broke in around the same time as him. He's never, aside from getting shit-faced, and I'm going to say it. It's all alleged, but I'm going to say it. Getting shit-faced and falling down the stairs a few years ago and having to pull out of the Masters. Yeah, Um, we've all been there. Yeah, just not during the biggest week of my life. But, hey, uh, probably. But um, yeah. (laughs) <laughs> but listen, I think he's going to rip off. I could see four or five more major wins after this one. It was a prolific performance by him. And, and you know, we all know about the Masters, right? If, you're, if your putter's not with you, you're going to struggle. Bryson, and his cough, putter cough. was on fire. Yeah, exactly. His, his, TJ's putter was on fire this whole weekend. Yeah, man, he is, he's the most well-rounded golfer since Tiger Woods in his prime. I said it. What was, what was the uh, – that's a bold statement, but I don't think you're wrong. What was the uh, reaction to, to Beefy Bryson? Because he went in boldly with his – this is a 67, which was not met very well. Well, by, he didn't uh, hit par by, there, nor did he hit par at 72. Yeah, um, was he getting shit from, some of, from, from people on the tour at all or from other people? I know you talked about – I mean, he has uh, – he had a little bit of divvy. The and they said which one. He, uh, I mean, Rom, Rom kind of took a. I guess you would say that. I would call that a shot. Um, I mean, listen. I think there at this point there there's interest just because he's trying to change the game. What's crazy is before I get into Bryson, fucking Dustin Johnson doesn't have to change his body and change his swing to hit a 350. He just does it. So he's a long hitter as well. I know he's not hitting 400, but he can still hit fucking bombs regardless. But back to Bryson. I think there's a little bit of um, sympathy for him. Uh, he was he was a little under the weather as well as just him trying to go out there and do something that's never been done before. Um, but he just he sucks at um, press conferences and whatnot. I think his words are a little misconstrued. Um, I think he does care about what other people think, which may be to his detriment. But listen, I mean, him coming out there and disrespecting the course and whatnot, and I'm not one of these, like, you got to be super respectful with golf or whatever, but just saying that it's a par 68 or 67 or whatever he said it was, I mean, listen, who was was the guy I said to you? I sent you a text um, a couple days ago. Um, Bernard Longer. I don't know if you've ever heard of him. Um, he by far Bernard Longer. Yes, he by far was the shortest hitter off the tee, averaging about 250 yards. I think Bryson was averaging in the 380s off the tee. Jesus he beat Bryson Christ. by a full stroke this week. Wow! Not to mention he's also 60 plus years old. Talk about the discrepancy in game, huh? Yes. So listen. Wingfoot's a different course. You can go out there and mash and win it. But 
to say that everybody's going to be doing what Bryson does, everybody's going to play their game. And, and certain courses, certain players are going to win. And, and do I think Bryson's going to get a Masters under his belt? He better learn how to putt at Augusta before. I mean, the putter's been doing well lately, but not at Augusta. But if he can put things together, I do think he's going to win a few more Masters. I think he's a great player, and he's really good for golf because I think between him and Patrick Reed, golf needs a few villains. Um, and it makes the game more fun. I think you meant a few more majors, right? Not a few more masters, but yeah, yeah. I think he's going to win a few yeah. more majors. I don't think he'll ever get that Augusta win. I just think this course does something to him. But I mean, there's certain players that just know how to play this course. Obviously, Tiger knows how to play every course. But look at Jordan Spieth. The guy is probably top thirty at best as a golfer, but he's already got a Masters under his belt here, and he always plays well. The thing that I got a lot too out of Tiger was the fact that he seemed to really just be enjoying himself this time, especially having that retrospective uh, from last year. I mean, and, when you make it 10, the highest score of your career on 12, he's dude, never he just, shot in the double digits on the PGA Tour in his life. And then to just rip off three straight birdies like that never even happened, you know he's comfortable. Yeah, dude, he, he, he just fucking shook it off. He was good to go. And I think he just enjoyed playing. He was healthy the whole weekend. And... You put it behind him, and he still had a really good weekend and had, and had a good final round despite that 10. Yeah, I mean, listen, he finishes at minus one. He could have looked a lot better, obviously, if the if you could've take the 10 out worse. and you put a par in. But, hey, I, I'm maybe Tiger can steal one more of these. I'm just happy to see the guy out there, and I'm happy that he's happy. Me too, man. Me too. A lot of fun. A lot more golf to be played. Um, we're gonna we're gonna roll a few more tournaments out and then move right on into the 2021 season. Believe it or not, this hellish year is it's coming down to an end here. Um, but something coming up to to finish off this hellish year, the NBA draft, buddy. Oh my God, man! Not to yeah, mention the yeah. trade moratorium lifted. We have a lot to talk about. We have a lot to talk about, so let's get into it to start with trades that have actually already happened. Whenever these, whenever the trade deadline or the moratorium get lifted, I, I'm more of a pessimist. I'm always like, they talk a big game, and it never pays off, but this one paid off. Now, the NBA is a it's a soap opera, bro. I mean, maybe during the season in the trade deadlines, it's not as wild, but we see it every offseason. I mean, teams have had, especially this year, so much fucking time to think about how they're going to reconfigure their roster. And I'm sure a lot of deals were already done, just not officially. Let's start. I want to start with the Milwaukee Bucks, because last night, as you said, it was good that we did tonight for our recording because they struck a couple midnight deals. They upgraded their roster pretty decently in my opinion they acquired drew holiday from new orleans who we knew was on the block in exchange for eric bledsoe george hill and three first rounders which i want to get your thoughts on in a second and then they also did another trade with the sacramento kings for bogdan bogdanovich and that was a sign and trade what did you a think of the holiday deal b what did you think about that they gave up and are they a much better team than they were 24 hours ago and much better, yes. I do think I think Bogdanovich not giving up too much of anything for him is is the more impactful trade because he is a money player and he can play in the last few minutes of a, of a game in crunch time. Um, I mean, Drew Holiday is absolutely an upgrade from both of those players. He's an all league defensive player and he can fill it up. And he's going to take a lot 
of pressure off of obviously Giannis, but more off of Chris Middleton in my opinion, as well as Bogdanovich, Bogdan, whatever one of those Bogey brothers. Um, I, I I was more curious about the picks. Are two of those pick swaps, or are they three full first rounders? Oh, there's three firsts and two swaps. Wow, that's <laughs> yeah. When you get into a room with David Griffin, does he just have a hypnotist in the corner? I mean, not even a room, on a Zoom call at this point. Bro, I don't believe there's a single GM out there that wants to do business with him, especially when he doesn't have LeBron breathing down his neck. This guy is incredible. I mean, especially when he has leverage. I mean, he had leverage in the Anthony Davis trade, being that Davis had a year left on his contract and the Lakers gave up basically everything to go get him. And LeBron is basically saying, like, Get me Anthony Davis and get me him now. And then he has leverage in this one because the Bucks are desperate. I don't want to talk to David Griffin when he's got the upper hand on me. I don't think anyone does. And the great thing about this was he had a player in Drew Holiday who everybody knew was available. And there was every contending team wanted a piece of that action. The good thing was, was they had a team in Milwaukee, like you said, who was very ambitious because here's how I look at this trade. They sold I, out. They sold out, but they had to. When yeah, absolutely. When you the Milwaukee Bucks, your goal, number one, probably even more so than winning, which sounds ludicrous, is keeping Giannis and making sure And the signs. rumors are already swirling. They are. And this is something that you have to lock down. And if you go ahead and you bring him in and you say this, and basically, apparently, from, from – Woe's reporting and Sham's reporting was Giannis had a lot of say in the possible trade targets that Milwaukee went after. They so, went after two great ones. Like he's got some. Listen, maybe Giannis has some GM in his future. Who knows, man? All I know is that right now, this was the perfect move for them to make. It does make them better. And yeah, you gave up a King's ransom. But as we all know, I think, I don't believe there's anything more overrated in pro sports as far as commodities are concerned. Than NBA first round draft picks because if you're a damn good team, even if you're you know outside of the lottery, exit exactly those picks really don't mean anything. So no, and you know what? I think this honestly catapults the Bucks to probably the top three favorites, probably top two favorites for me. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I think they're definitely with. With Drew Holiday, who's a, I mean, listen, Bledsoe was good on defense, but he's not first team All NBA defense. He's a, Drew Holiday's just a much better player than Eric Bledsoe. Let's face it. They upgraded there, and then Bogey to get him for a pick for not even for a sign in trade. I'm sure they gave up nothing. I mean, this helps out Sacramento too because now Buddy Heald to be happy because he's going to get his playing time back. They don't have to get rid of him. Um, but, I, I mean, this team is a true championship contender now with these pieces to add to Middleton as well as uh, as well as well Giannis. And I know we've called them championship contenders in the past, but let's face it, they were Fugazi. Yeah, I, I still think they regret not keeping Brogdon, but that's neither here Absolutely, nor but you know what? Holiday's better than Brogdon. Yeah, I think he's more accomplished than Brogdon, I, but I certainly like the fact that they recognized what their skill set was and, and where they knew they were lacking 
now you're going to have to be, if you're a top team, I'm thinking a team like Boston. I'm thinking, you know, that Kemba, Drew Holiday is the perfect player for him. He likes to play off the ball. Giannis yeah. has the ball all the time. Here, here's my question. If you're, if, you're going, if you're thinking pure defensively and you're one of the top teams in the East, point guard versus point guard right now, Kemba versus Drew, that's a win for, for Milwaukee. Kyrie versus Drew, that's a win for Milwaukee. Uh, I, Lowry or Van Vliet against Drew, that's a win for Milwaukee. You didn't have that before. Now you do. Absolutely, man. I love the trade. I, I know they gave up a lot. I, I love the trade for both sides because I don't know what he's cooking up down there in New Orleans being Griffin, but he's doing a good job. I wouldn't be surprised to see Alonzo Ball trade as well. Um, but, yeah, I mean, listen. And we know what those picks are, man. Now they can use those picks to get – to go get other guys if they so choose because every team's going to be looking for first-round picks. Absolutely. So we covered the Bucks, Kings, as well as New Orleans. Let's move on to the next deal. Chris Paul. Mm. CP3 is headed to Phoenix. Uh, another deal that I'm in love with. I love this trade for Phoenix. It had been rumored that this was going to happen. Devin Booker, you better be happy now. He's going to make Aiton better. He's going to make Booker better. And Aiden came into his own, better. especially in the bubble. Um, I don't know if Chris Paul's ever had maybe Blake Griffin, obviously, but a guy to do a pick and roll with, man. Mm, good point. Pick yeah, and roll, pick and that. pop, take the ball out of Booker's hands. Chris Paul is going to get him so many open, well efficient shots. Good if it, whatever, however you want to phrase it, he he's going to score the same amount of points, if not more. And he's going to have to sweat a lot less. This team gets a lot better defensively. And what did they have to give up? Rubio and Oubre? Yeah, dude. They gave Rubio, Oubre, and a 2022 first and Ty Jerome. Who gives a fuck? That's I mean, a no-brainer. New Orleans uh, or uh, Oklahoma City, another team compiling first-round picks. They have, I think, 16 or 14 firsts in the next like five or six years. Sheesh. And they still have Shea Gildas, so they're going to be a fun team. It's good for him to finally be able to take the reins there because I think he's going to be a great player. But I I love this trade for Phoenix. And, you know, I would have been happy to see Paul go to the Knicks because clearly you don't have to give that much up for him. But I'd rather see him in a situation where he can contend. He's becoming this guy in the later stage of his career after that Houston situation didn't work where now he's kind of an elder statesman and I think he wants to make his impact on younger teams. And now if you can do that in Phoenix, which is a team, as we've always joked, is two years away from being two years away, well, now they're not. you got a legitimate stud in Booker. Let's not forget, man, they went 8-0 and in the bubble and they almost made the play-in game. So they're ready to go. They're ready to go on the rise and take that next step. And what better way to do it than with Chris Paul anchoring the point guard spot and taking pressure off of Booker to be allow him to become a top tier scorer in this league. Absolutely, Portland goes out and grabs Robert Covington. Um, I like this deal for them. I don't think they've been the same since they let um, Trevor Ariza go, and I think Covington's a much better version of that. He can he can be a three and D guy. He can score inside a little bit. He can guard some bigger players. I think he's really going to help them out. I think he is too. And I think this is a really good move for them because now, again, he allows a little bit more versatility on the offensive and defensive side of the ball. 
Um, I don't think I think this squashes any kind of rumors that McCollum could be on the move because I think this was done purely to make that team better yep. and stronger to get into the postseason. And one thing um, they didn't need was a guy that needs the ball to score. No, they don't need guys to create their own offense. They get three point guards, including Anthony Simon. I'm going to call him Penny. Penny Simons um, <laughs> off the Simmons or Simons, whatever, Simons, off the bench. Yeah. Um, so they got three guys that, that can create plenty of offense, and he's a catch-and-shoot guy, and he's going to play great defense. He is a perfect role player. Absolutely. All right, uh, last trade we have, the Lakers get Schroeder for Danny Green. See you later. Thanks for the championship. And who was the other player? I'm sorry. The number 28 overall pick. Number 28 overall pick. Again, you already mentioned, I mean, picks outside of the top 14, what do they really mean, especially for the Lakers? Um, I think Schroeder's going to be a guy. Did they re- Are they going to keep Rondo? I don't know if they are. I think they assume that he might leave, or at least this gives them leverage. But at this point, I think I'd rather have Schroeder. As valuable as Rondo was in the playoffs, Schroeder's a better player at this point in his career. Yeah, this is perfect for the Lakers. This is a guy that can... Play with the first unit and play off the ball, or he can create his own shot with the second unit. I really like this trade for the Lakers, and I think they just got better. Oh, I think they got better, too. This is definitely a Downgraded at shooting, which they really need, but you can pick up a Kyle Korver-esque player or another Danny Green-type player. who He can play defense, too, but you can pick one of those guys up in free agency. You're not going to find a Schroeder too often in free agency. They'll figure that part out. This is a move that definitely makes them better, and I think it absolutely is going to just make them a little bit more dynamic offensively, as hard as that is to believe. And yeah, actually have a legitimate point guard who's used to playing that role, and he'll score for you. He'll play okay defense, and he's he's a pest. He's a kind of a pain in the ass to deal with. Um, this was a good steal for them. It was kind of an under-the-radar move, but the more I think about it, I think this is just a really, really smart trade by the Lakers. All right, man, that wraps up the trades that have already happened. Let's talk some rumors. Um, good Lord. You can, you can take your pants off now if you want, or we can wait. Um, James Harden has named two he's, – he's asking out as well as what Russell Westbrook – Things as ever since Daryl Morey left, things are things are moving fast for Houston. Um, they may be in full on rebuild mode when it's all said and done. Um, Russell Westbrook is going to be a tough contract to trade. People won't even give up a second round pick for him. That might end up being his team, but now Harden wants out, and he has named the Sixers as well as the Nets contenders for this. I think if the Sixers want him, they can have him. I don't, uh, because it sounds like he is a thousand percent intent on the Nets. I understand that. It, it really depends with this new GM that they have, because he still has two years in a player opt, and the Nets don't have nearly the Nets don't have Ben Simmons as an ultimate card to give up. So here's my point. You're gonna go all homery on me here. I know. No, he's not getting dealt. Don't you don't think so? No, I think he is. If, if first of all, let's let's not pretend like the Daryl Morey thing is not a legitimate thing. He walked away from Houston saying that he didn't want to be in Houston and he needed time off. He immediately took a higher paying job to be to run the Sixers. I don't think that uh, the owner of 
Houston, what is it, Fortita? He doesn't want any part of now having to trade James Harden to Philadelphia. Fuck that. And I, I certainly think that's a real thing. Harden explicitly said his intent, according to Woj, is to be traded to the Nets. You lose all leverage if you're the Houston Rockets. And if I'm the Houston Rockets, I don't care that Harden declined that $50 million third year or that option in three years. I'm saying, okay, well, I have you for two more years. You're my franchise, and I'm not trading you because there's only one team that you want to go to, and I lose all the leverage. And like you said, the Nets, as as well as, you know, they have some nice pieces. We talk about Levert and Dinwiddie and Allen and Prince and some first, and who gives a fuck? That's not nearly as good as Philly's packager and some possible others, and they're not going to just give him away. I don't think he gets moved. I think this is a sexy as hell rumor. I certainly think it could happen, but if I were to stake my claim, Westbrook's the one getting dealt. Harden will stay. This could end up like an Anthony Davis situation where finally he gets his way because he's just a malcontent, and everybody knows it's Brooklyn, Brooklyn, Brooklyn. I'm not even going to speculate about how insane that team would be if it got done because we'll do that if the There's deal not enough basketballs. <laughs> There's not enough basketballs. I see there's a lot of positives. I understand the negatives. As a fan of the team, I will absolutely always have the glass half full, but I understand the speculation and certainly the question as to whether that could work or not. We'll worry about that if the deal goes through. Right now, if you ask me, I think Harden stays at least for now. And uh, But it is a wild rumor because it seemed almost like last night that it was a done deal, and it seems like it's taken a little bit of a step backwards today yes must be nice must be nice to even be in those conversations sean because now oh we're going to talk God, about man. the draft it's wild you don't want to talk about possible westbrook rumors to your boys it sounds like the hornets and the knicks are the two teams that would that would take them on listen i don't i don't mind being a dumpster for for big contracts it'd be fun to see westbrook playing in the garden doing westbrook things i am not going to let myself get over excited for him making the playoffs, it really have to. It really depend on the package. I, I don't want to give up Mitchell Robinson or R.J. Barrett. Aside from that, everybody's on the table for me. Here's a question: Would you do Knox, Needlekina, and Dallas's first this year, which I think is 26, 27? To eat Westbrook's contract? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'd probably do that. I think I would too. Yeah, just to get a little excitement in the garden and maybe win a few games that we shouldn't. Yep. Would you rather Westbrook or sign Van Vliet to a max? Westbrook. Yeah, there you go. I mean, I, I don't want to be giving out contracts, max contracts. I know Westbrook's is a fucking astronomical number, but you're not going to have to sign him to nearly as many years. You can squeeze him into the cap. And then you know what? After two years, you can flip Westbrook for maybe another first-rounder or a young player. Yep, that's my thought exactly. Well, would you say that there's a you have any excitement of of maybe getting Westbrook, or are you just like, eh, I'm more on the draft right now? Um, I'm not even looking at the draft. I'm I'm just more, I I, I'm I'm five years ahead with the next man. Yeah, I mean, what else can I be? I'm gonna watch. I'm gonna root. I'm gonna watch the young players, but. I mean, Westbrook doesn't really move the needle for me, nor does the number eight pick in, in possibly a four-player draft, if that. Um, maybe we can land a, a Donovan Mitchell-type player at the end who's, I don't know, falling out of favor. People don't like certain things about him. You never know, but, I mean, I don't really have much to look forward to with the Knicks aside from completely cleaning house and getting some hopefully conf- competent people in there. 
I think you have some competent people, and I think if you got Westbrook, it would it would be a guy where the fan base could really enjoy watching him play. He Sell a couple jerseys, you know? For you. Yeah, and you know what? Worst case scenario is if you sign a couple free agents and not overpay for them, but you bring some nice free agents in. You have Westbrook. You've got you don't have to give up RJ or Mitch. I, there's a chance you guys could be a playoff team. A Fuck off. Seed. Get out of here. Oh, I'm sorry. Get out of here. Why? 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 Is that are you are you telling me that the Pistons are better? You're telling me that the Hornets are better? I want are them to be. You that the Cavaliers are better? Why? It, there's something that matters about being a playoff team. Dude. What matters when I, when there's a big when there's possibly the best draft in in 10 years, 20 years. You're not going to be bad enough, dude. You're not going to be bad enough. Well. You're talking about teams like Cleveland and Detroit and Charlotte who are I disagree with the I disagree with the playoff narrative that those games Eventually, matter. You have to be in the playoffs. That's the, does, does being the Orlando Magic and getting fucking beaten down by the number the, one seed matter? You're matter? not the or, you're not the Orlando Magic though. You're the New York Knicks, and if you get home playoff games and you show that you're taking a step in the right direction and you're not a 25 win team, I think that's going to at least get some players in the league to say, "Oh, Russell Westbrook says this is a good place to play." That's that's what we need. That's what turns teams around in today's NBA. Listen, bro. Not- if they can turn the culture around, I'll be happy. But I don't give a shit about an eighth an eighth seed team. I, I don't want to be. I want to win championships. I don't want to no, be. But, I don't want to be caught in the middle. But to get, but to get there, you have to have some kind of middle. You're not going to go from a team that wins 20 to 25 games, has no If I agree with you, but if I'm going to have a middle, I want to do it with young guys that are going to be around. That's not how today's NBA works, bro. That almost never happens now. You have to become a destination for guys who are in the league to want to go there. Listen, bro. You can build something, but you're not going to build – you're not going to – have a couple okay drafts and then all of a sudden become the third seed in the East. I don't expect that, but I also would rather have the draft capital at this point. I don't know, man. That's just not how successful teams right now are being built. No, I agree. I mean, listen, this is a free agent league and players that come into the league take a few years to develop. But listen, I mean, if we can if we can get some of these, these good scouts or whatever to – identify a Donovan Mitchell or some of these guys with the lower lottery picks, Michael Porter Jr., I'll take that as, as a building block. Yeah, you want you want to have good drafts. I'm not saying throw them out, but I'm also saying that you have to be somewhat attractive to teams because you haven't been attractive for anybody in years. No, I agree with you, but uh, Russell Westbrook's word doesn't really – I don't know how much weight it really carries in the league when it comes to that because – Russell Westbrook's happy when he gets to average a triple-double. Right, but, I mean, Oklahoma City was still enough where Paul George wanted to go there for a bit, and Oladipo was there. I mean, there, there's it was enough of something where they were at least a team that some players wanted to go to. They're, the Knicks, I mean, I think that Dolan and I think everybody in the Knicks organization would like to have that luxury because at that point you are the New York Knicks. You have an advantage over Oklahoma City and Charlotte and Detroit as possible destinations. Yeah, we'll see. If the Brooklyn Nets became a destination, the New York Knicks should absolutely be because the New York Knicks are far more attractive destination than the Brooklyn Nets. It's not even close. Yeah, you got that there. All right, let's break down some of these future hopeful stars in the NBA. Why don't you give me the uh, 
the mock draft that we're going to go off. Okay, so we're going off CBS's mock ra- uh, final mock from today. So this was uh, five hours ago uh, by Colin Ward-Henninger, who is the uh, lead NBA draft on CBS Sports. So I'm just going to give you a quick rundown. Let's go with the top three to start in their landing spots, and then I'll get your thoughts on whether they'll actually go to these spots or whether uh, and what you think of the players. Anthony Edwards, number one to Minnesota. James Wiseman, number two to Golden State. And Onyeka Okongwu, the center out of USC, to Charlotte. Anthony Edwards will lead off with... I like this guy a lot more than a few other um, a few other pl- people do. I guess. Um, I mean, I think that he could very quickly become the best player in Minnesota. I mean, this guy is six foot nine, but he plays like a six foot five guard. Um, a lot of people are comping him to Oladipo. I'm more. I'm more Vince Carter, to be honest. Mm. Guy that can handle the ball, he can fill it up from outside, and he can dunk on anybody. I mean, they're, they're complaining about his decision-making. The guy is, what, 19? He needs a little bit of time to develop, but I think he can take over. I think he's the sure number one pick, in my opinion. I think he can take over from Cat as the best player there, and I think he puts him over the top, and he also puts D'Angelo Russell as a distant third player there, but ends up making the team better. And maybe finally Minnesota has their star ever since KG left. There's a lot of talk that they could possibly trade this pick. They're undecided on the pick I don't see them trading it. I see the number two getting traded a lot more than the number one. Possibly, but Minnesota, we never know with them. But yeah, Anthony Edwards, he's the best athlete in this draft, and that's what we've heard. But he can shoot it too. But he's—I was just going to say, dude, he can fill it up, and he can dribble like through traffic. He's not just an athlete. Absolutely. I mean, I'm sure there's going to be a lot of lost coverages on defense, a lot of lost assignments. There's going to be a couple of turnovers. But, hey, he's 19 years old. Let him grow into it. I think he's going to be one of the best players to come out of this draft. He's a safe number one, and he's also a very safe number one for that Minnesota franchise. Yes, absolutely. All right, moving on to number two. Right now it's the Golden State Warriors. Who knows with the way things are going how it's going to be. You have James Wiseman. I think he squeezes in pretty well there for me. Um, I mean, the guy is seven foot six. He's a true center. He's seven one. Seven one. Oh, no, I'm talking about his wingspan. I'm sorry. Oh, Still gotcha, true yeah. center height at seven foot one. Extremely athletic. He can shoot the mid range jumper. He can post up. I think he'd be incredible in a Steph Curry pick and roll. Um, and covers a lot of things up that Draymond hasn't been able to do well recently on the offensive end. And just with him and Draymond flying around on the defensive end, I think it'd be incredible. You know my thought on centers being uh, the staples or the you know the face of a franchise. But he doesn't have to be, and I agree with I'm, you. I, I'm, I'm coming around to that. But I, I think... you off, man. You're not letting me finish my point. I was well, it's sorry to interrupt. He gets to go there, and he's immediately like the fifth best player on the team. And what he will do defensively and athletically for that team, this is the only pick to me that if Golden State makes it, I could see them keeping this pick. Because he's the one guy that they would need, right? 
Yeah, and I, I think this guy can turn into a future all-star. I think his jump shot is is good enough to where he's probably going to be able to stretch it out to three within the years to come. So not only can he be a rim runner, a pick-and-roll guy, but he can pick and pop as well. I'm really high on him, and I know we've only seen him in a few, what did he play, like four games for uh, Memphis? But for Memphis, yeah. Still, I think, I think him and Draymond Green make that team so versatile that they – catapult themselves right back into a top five contender he's also going to have the ability there to use his athleticism and his raw skills to develop into a better player because that's just how golden state does things if if they worked themselves into the number two pick that allows them to get james wiseman you're looking at a guy who in a couple years we're talking about one of the best young centers in the game and it's going to be because of the product of that team that allows him to be that way Absolutely. All right, number three. Uh, I don't remember who number three is. So this was kind of a surprise pick to me. I was expecting to see Lamelo here, but it's Onyeka Okongwu, the freshman center out of USC. And and what team is making this pick? That's more what I meant. This is. Oh, I'm sorry. This is the Charlotte Hornets at number three. Well, Charlotte's doing okay at the guard position. I mean, they're not all stars, but. Um, Terry Rozier, as well as the com- or the most improved player. Did he win most improved player, Graham? Devontae Graham, I'm not sure. Whatever, he was up there. Um, I think he's going to do well in the pick and roll. He, can, he works really hard. He can block shots. And he's got great footwork and good hands. And that, that's all that matters to me. People are competent to bam out of Bayou. That's a once-in-a-generation player. Let's pump the brakes on that. If you can get a... Paul Millsap type player, I think that'd be great for you. Room protector and really good defender. Uh, that's something that Charlotte desperately needs. And listen, he he has been flying up draft boards. Um, he's the second ranked center, obviously behind Wiseman. So we never know what Charlotte's going to do. This pick has also been talked about being being flipped. I think pretty much every pick in the top seven has been, but. Um, I was interested to see him come up here, but it makes sense if he projects to being a really well-rounded big man, something they don't have there. This is a this is a pretty easy pick to me. Yeah, I, I like this pick. I think a big man with this type of ability, even if he doesn't pan out to be an all-star, he's going to be a starter for a long time in the NBA. All right, let's move on to the next pick, the number four pick. This one is going to be... Interesting as well as controversial. Um, who has number four out of the teams? The Chicago Bulls, and this draft has them selecting Lamelo. Talk about not enough basketballs. They must be looking to move Zach Levine. They may be wanting to move the um, what was the point guard Kobe White as well. I listen. I, I this guy. He's six foot seven with a six ten wingspan at point guard. He can really handle the ball. Um, Shot is a little weird. I don't know what LeVar was doing when he taught his kids how to shoot. Maybe he just said, hey, it goes in. But it's a slow You're release. you questioning the best basketball player of all time? Mm, well, I don't know. Yeah, maybe his kid. beat Jordan one-on-one. So maybe, listen, know. if the Bulls take him, maybe he'll become the greatest Bull of all time. Uh, his, <laughs> his kid. Um, but with that, with that being said, listen, his ceiling, I think, is the highest of everybody here. He could yep. be... Pistol Pete for for the 2020s. I think the game has really spread out over the last 10 years. It's perfect for him, but listen, he's immature. Um, 
To be honest, if I asked him to make me eggs, I don't know if he'd know how to do it. That's a strong take. The kid's you. been waited on hand and foot. You're going to have to deal with the dad. But with that being said, I, I like the pick for the Bulls going all out here. I think he could be a game breaker and probably maybe the best or the second best player in this draft behind Anthony Edwards, in my opinion. I would be surprised if he fell to four. To me, he has a top three pick written all over him, particularly with Charlotte. Um, I know we talked about how heavy they are in guards, but I, I just hey, don't none know. None of them could be as good as this guy. Lamello. Well, that's the biggest thing to me. Lamelo is a much more polished player than than Lonzo was. He's a better shooter. He's a better overall scorer. I think he's actually. About, Lonzo gets a bad rap, though. That's the thing. I'm not saying Lonzo's bad. I'm saying I like Lamelo coming out of college better than I like Lonzo coming out of college. Well, I mean, what college did Lamelo go to college? I was going to say, what school did he go to? I meant heading into the draft. I mean, he actually got to play professional over in Australia. But yeah, I I, I think he is probably up there with Edwards as the safest pick in this draft. Like, I can't see him having a bad career. Okay, interesting. I could. Okay. yeah, I could see it going the complete other way. But, listen, I think the ceiling is probably the highest, if not the second highest, behind Edwards. Um, I don't see him slipping past three either. Let's move on to your number five pick. Who's the team? What's the player? So this mock has Denny Abija out of of Tel Aviv in Israel, selected by the Cleveland Cavaliers. I don't like the wingspan being the same as the height. Makes me a little nervous, but I, I mean, this guy, this guy can make plays. Uh, I've watched a few highlights. Um, he looks like a tough player, and, and he can shoot it. He can shoot it, and he is a top-tier passer. There's evaluators that have said that he's the best passer in this draft. Ooh, better than Lamelo, huh? Um, than he's Lamello, also a good on-ball defender, which is interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, who's taking him again? Cleveland. Yeah, Cleveland needs a Cleveland needs a guy who who can do it all. So I I don't mind that pick for them. No, I think he's probably outside of the top three. He's probably the guy I like the most, just mm. as pure as pure player. Um, there's just a lot about his game that I really like. I would love him for the Knicks, honestly. I think he would be the best player that the Knicks could get. But he, he like you said, I mean, you, when you're Cleveland, you're picking fifth. You need somebody that can do everything, and that's what this kid can do. And he's the not Knicks could have him one. too. I mean, this is the most wide open draft that I've seen in a long time because I'm looking at a different mock, and it is all over the place, man. Oh, it is all over the place. I don't see him falling to eight. But you never know. You never know. Yes, you do. All right, number seven, or number six, I'm sorry. Who do we have? It's all good. Tyrese Halliburton, the point guard out of Iowa State, is going to the Atlanta Hawks at six. And if this is the case, they're just going to go guard heavy. you got Trey Young, you've got Halliburton, and that could be your backcourt for the next six, seven years. The player's fun. Sophomore, a little bit older, but that doesn't bother me as much as it bothers other people. Got a good wingspan on him. Strong player. He he played well in the clutch for the few games of Iowa State that I watched. Um, back in my college basketball days, it feels like years ago. Jesus Christ. It really does. Um, I don't know. I don't like the pick for Atlanta, but I like the player, if that makes sense. 
No, it makes plenty of sense. I actually agree with you on that. I, I think he's a tremendous player. I think he's a really good overall point guard, but I don't really know why Atlanta would use their pick on him here. The only reason I could justify that is because they need to cover up for Trey Young defensively, and he is a great on-ball defender. Yep. And, again, he's happy to play off the ball, too, and he's able to shoot. So you, Trey Young can, can milk the clock a lot, and he could feel confident passing to Halliburton, knowing he's going to be able to make the shot. Yes. All right. Who's next? Number six. Number seven we're actually at, my friend. We're seven? I'm getting my numbers wrong. That's quite all right. Killian Hayes out of France uh, looks to be selected by the Detroit Pistons, according to the CBS remark. Uh, he, he needs a little time to develop. That's that's the first thing mentioned in his synopsis. But he has a lot of skills that are hard to teach. And if they can unlock him on a bad team, give him a couple years, and he could end up being one of the best players coming out of this draft. Listen, I've watched one highlight of him on YouTube, some clips. He was taking a dump on a lot of grown men, which obviously I love to see. I'm not going to say he's Luka. But, hey, I mean, he's a left-hander. That's always fun. Kind of gives people a second. Gives him an extra second on his jump shot. He can make plays, and he can shoot it, which I think is the most important thing coming out of the draft are guys that are already ready to knock down threes. I think this is a good pick. I like Killian Hayes. I think he might be a future all-star. Yeah, uh, and again, I think in this mock, he's going to a really good situation where he's going to have time to develop, and he's not going to have the pressure on him of trying to be great. Let him go through his growing pains. Let him, you know, show off his raw skills and and see what he ends up being. I, I'm with you, man. There's a lot about this prospect I like. And now let's go to number eight, which is your New York Knickerbockers, who we argued about before. And if this draft goes this way, I think you have to be absolutely ecstatic because this draft has you guys taking Obi Toppin out of Dayton. And what I love about Obi Toppin, before I get your thoughts, obviously, because you're the Knicks guy here, Obi Toppin is just such a well-rounded, damn good basketball player who's already NBA ready but will only get better in my opinion I know that you'd love to have a point guard but right now that power forward position is a absolute dumpster fire you got to find a way to get Julius Randle out of there Bobby Portis's um, option is probably going to be declined and you're going to want to have a good young guy to pair with Mitch Rob down down low and Obi Toppin is more than ready for that. I think he's only going to get better. And what you love about him is he's a defensive guy, and under Tibbs, that's what you want. I like a guy that can guard the perimeter but also block shots. I'd prefer a point guard here, to be honest with you, but I won't be pissed about this Obi Toppin pick. I think he's a guy that he's he's going to be one of those guys where it's like, oh, he got a max contract, but he's not an all-star. He's going to be one of those guys where it's just like he does so many things aside from putting the ball in the basket that it's not sexy, but it's a guy that you need as a building block where if the Knicks do become a destination, he's one of the guys that you hold on to. Oh, no doubt, man. And I think he's a guy that would be part of whatever turnaround the Knicks are going to have. And let's just keep in mind here. You know, we mentioned about how they would like a point guard. This is only being based off of this mock draft, where the next point guard, where we'll get to at 13, is being picked, which seems like a big reach in that five pick, you know, window. So you're not probably going to. In this draft, though, man, it's like these guys are all over the map, like I alluded to. But again, back to Toppin. 
I wouldn't mind him as a pick, to be honest with you, because putting him in Mitchell Robinson, you're, you're basically eliminating all layups. You're eliminating all layups. And you know what the other thing, too, you got to feel good about, my friend? This is a guy who's going to be an NBA player off the bat, and he's not a guy where you're going to look at and be like, well, that was a bust. Yep. No, he's not a Kevin Knox. Um, yeah, he's definitely he's not a Nilakina, although he's come around. Um, yeah, he's not I, four years away from being impactful for you. Yes, I, I wouldn't mind that pick the more I talk about it. All right, give me number nine. Number nine, we're going to the nation's capital with the Wizards, Isaac Okaru. Freshman out of Auburn and uh, small forward, and this guy, this is he has been rumored to be a huge, huge uh, desire for teams who are trying to move up in the draft. Boston has talked about selling off their three picks. I think it's 14, 26, and 30 for him because they love him. Uh, his offense is not ready-made yet, but he steps in and immediately is one of the best defensive players in this draft. It's not even close. I mean, look, he'd be perfect for Boston. They don't need more offense, and he's a guy with Marcus Smart that could just shut down the guard positions. Yeah, and for Washington, who's actually picking him in this spot, what's the one thing they don't have? They don't have defense. And if you're losing Bertans, even if you keep Bertans, he is a absolute negative defensively. So at least a core who can come in. And much like what we talked about before with Detroit, here's a guy who can step in. He can go through his growing pains. He can learn how to play and get better offensively. But he is immediately a plus defender on the NBA level. And I think if you're at number nine and you've lost out on a couple other guys, again, I hate using the same word, but safe, this might be the pick you make there. Absolutely. All right, let's move on to number 10. What do we have, five left or four left? Yeah, we're going to go 10 through 14. So right here, Phoenix Suns, new team of Chris Paul. Devin Vassell, the small forward. Love love it, love it. You got enough offense. Wouldn't this just be the perfect guy for them now that they have CP3? Two things on his his little draft diary – off-ball defense, on-ball defense, and the third thing was that he works hard, he hustles. That's all you need in Phoenix right now. I mean, listen, that's the definition of a guy who's going to stick around in the NBA and he's not going to be a bust, and that's what you need in Phoenix right now. Let CP3 and obviously Booker as well as Aiden take care of the offense, and him and Miles Bridges can just wreak havoc on defense with CP3 screaming at him and running the show. <laughs> thing I'm thinking about right now in the moment too is you know in that in that CP3 trade Phoenix gave up Ubre who was a good wing guy and Vassal now is going to step into that position if this if, if this draft goes based off of these projections and immediately now is his offense is probably going to open up because of the scoring of Chris Pauley and then Booker and you have a guy who's ready to play defense, uh, and we Excellent all know that Booker is not that way. This is, would be such a good pick for them in a great offseason. Another guy that's not probably not going to make an all-star team, but if he can be a, a thibble for the Phil- for the Sixers, mm. more than anything you need because that's a guy that can knock down a little bit of a shot too. Absolutely, man. I, I couldn't agree with you more. And another pick I like rolling into number 11 into San Antonio, which still always surprises me when I see them picking this this early in the draft. But they're going Sadiq Bay out of Villanova. I've watched a lot of Big East. I know you have, obviously, too. I'll be watching more with UConn in there. But Sadiq Bay, I mean, his basketball IQ is through the freaking roof. That's a He's perfect a very- 3 and D guy for them. And I mean, listen, we're doing a draft preview. We're not going to say anything bad about these guys. But, I mean, 
when you're the Spurs, you want a guy that can that can do things without having to score the ball. Well, and the good thing for them too is if they do need that, he's a really good three point shooter already. Absolutely, yeah. He but he doesn't need the ball in his hand, and that's very important. Very important, and just feels like he'll get into that San Antonio system and be really good. Moving on to number 12, we're going out to Sacramento. Patrick Williams, the small forward out of Florida State, a guy who his name has been ringing a lot of bells lately as we've gotten closer to the draft. Uh, this guy's a pretty – he's a beast. I mean, he's 6'8", 225. He's risen up a lot of the boards I'm reading here due to his athleticism and 3 and D potential. Obviously, the Kings, they moved on from Bogdanovich, so they need another wing. Uh, I like this move for them if they do. Do I love Patrick Williams? i got to be honest. I don't know a ton about him, but I know that he has been going up draft boards. We, I've, I've heard him mocked as high as into the top 8 or 7 based off a team, but I think if you can get him at 12, hey, if you're the Kings, why not? Hey, guy that can shoot it and also block shots, I love that. Sure. Another guy I really like, and you're going to make fun of me, but he's another one who is really rising up the boards. It's Kira Lewis Jr. out of Alabama as a point guard. I talked about before. I'm not going to make fun of you here. I like, I like a 6'3 guy with a 6'6 wingspan. That's a good athlete. Thought you were going the Alabama route, even though you know I'm a UConn basketball guy. But, yeah, absolutely, man. He is he, again, I don't know if he's worth taking at eight if the Knicks, but at, if anywhere between eleven and thirteen or eleven and fifteen, if you're New Orleans now, you've got Lonzo, right? So now you give him Lewis Jr. too as his running mate there in the backcourt. That's very, that's very good. Yes. All right. Move on to the next one. Last pick here in the lottery here, number fourteen, Aaron Naismith, the small forward out of Vandy, going to Boston. Apparently, Boston, all the talk is, like I said before, they want to trade up. Yep. But if you're going to get this guy, he might be the best pure shooter in the draft, according to this little synopsis here. And Boston could always use a little bit more shooting. Absolutely. Any players that have uh, fallen or just or haven't been mentioned in this particular mock draft? RJ Hampton, to me, is the first name that really comes out. Um because he was one of the highest regarded players a year ago. And he also went over to Australia and I thought he played well, but I think he might've just been a little too out of sight, out of mind. How about you? Tyrell Terry. That's who I want for the Knicks. This guy is Trey Young Jr. In my opinion, Um, great handle for the ball and he can shoot from anywhere on the court and he's young. Last guy I'll mention is Cole Anthony. Um, Very high very high uh, thought of freshman last year at North Carolina. Good athlete. He he can shoot it. Had some moments, shot really well, then got hurt. I feel like he's an interesting guy because I feel like he went from being overrated to now way too underrated. Um, And listen, if he finds his way right now, this draft has him projected at 17 to Minnesota. Whew, now they get another shooter in that backcourt. Uh, that would be that would be a really good draft for the Wolves if they can get Edwards and then get Anthony in the same first round. Absolutely. Another guy I got is Jalen Smith out of Maryland. I remember him in the tournament two years ago. That's a big man that's athletic, and he's as well coordinated. He can block shots, but he can also shoot it. He made a big shot for Maryland. He can play in the big moments. He can grab some rebounds. I think a team from... 10 to 15 should definitely look at him. 
Another guy where I think, honestly, you you mentioned R.J. Hampton, so I don't have to bring him up. I think he's going to be a true game-breaker. Another guy I want to talk about is Josh Green from Arizona. He's a freshman, six foot six with a six foot ten wingspan. Perfect three and D guy. I think he's going to be really good on the ball defensively. And then my last guy, who I think would have risen up draft boards if we had a college basketball season. That's the last thing I want to mention is the fact that I think the tournament not being played saved a few GMs, but hurt them as well because they fall in love with these guys. Um, a la R.J. Hunter that go off for Georgia Southern or whatever, and then he plays a few years with the Celtics and he's nothing. But a couple guys that might have fallen is one that I have here is Nico Manning out of Arizona. Okay. Uh, fellow ginger, by the way, Sean. So Hey, I always like my fellow gingers. An incredible playmaker. He's skinny, but he's six foot three, so he can definitely – uh, he's not going to get out out heighted, but he, he's not that strong. But he can really make plays, and he can shoot it. So that's another guy where if the Knicks could get him later, um, I, I wouldn't mind that pick because I believe they have a later pick coming on the back end. They do. I'm looking right now. I At the Mavericks the pick. number for you. 27 right now. Yeah, that's another guy that I like as well. Um, but, yeah, that pretty much wraps it up. We're not going to be able to name everybody, but, hey. I think we did a good job. I think we did a good job. We obviously had uh, we had our references and our resources out for us. One more guy, can I get goals. in there? I always I want to give please, a, please, I want to give a center, um, and I want to I want to give a senior as well. This guy had lottery talent, but he got hurt a lot at Gonzaga. Killian Tilly. Okay. Feels like he's been in our lives for a little bit. Um, he could do everything. I mean, he can make plays. He can play defense on or off the ball. Off ball, off ball defense is what highlight what is highlighted here, and he can shoot it. Six um, ten with a. I don't like wingspan being the same, but I think this is a guy that can definitely make make an impact um, in the NBA. I see, I see Ryan Anderson written all over him, but a little more athletic than that, and can definitely rebound, play better defense. But from a shooting big perspective, I see Ryan Anderson. And that's where the game has gone, and those guys will always, always have a place in the league. All right, man, that about wraps it up. I'm ready for the madness tomorrow to begin. I don't – now, I'm going to go gun to your head question here. Gun to your head, does this draft order – do the teams remain the same? No. No. I think there's going Agreed. to be a lot of I think there's going to be a lot of movement in the early lottery. Yes. All right, man. Well, that about wraps it up. This was a long one, but we had a lot to talk about today. We had a lot to talk about, and I think we did it famously. Um, we'll see what craziness ends up ensuing tomorrow. Good luck to your Knicks at eight. I hope I talked you off the ledge. I know you're a damaged fan, but hey, <laughs> one step at a time. One step at a time. One step at a time is all we can do. Jets. Good luck this weekend. Please lose for me. Close your windows too, man. I feel like you're you're going to get hypothermia based off here. Bro, they are the closed. The <laughs> All right. It's freezing over here. The winds <laughs> the wind is nuts. But, it is, uh, man. It is. Everybody well, wear their mask, warm. please, by the way. Yeah, wear the mask. It's going to be easier with the weather it is too. It's actually kind of a nice thing. Like yeah. when, the, when it's windy like this, it, it protects your face. It feels good. It's not bad at all. All right, everybody. Enjoy the rest of the week. Take care, guys.